So what if I told you, do not follow your passion? Uh, you know, it sounds a little different than everything you hear. Uh, growing up, you know, people saying, do what you love, find a career that you're passionate about. Today's book of the day, It's So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. And the central theme of this book is that what we've been told about our life, career, and our choices in terms of picking things that we're passionate about is basically a mirage. It's a lie. It sounds good at first, but uh, the actuality and the practicality of it aren't there. So it's a little loud out here. I'm going to go inside. Uh, he starts out by talking about Steve Jobs because Steve Jobs had that famous Harvard quote where he was given the commencement speech and he said, you know, find what you love. That's what he's learned throughout his career. This is right before Steve Jobs died. And what the author here says, the way he addresses that, because obviously you don't want to disagree with, um, with Steve Jobs too quickly. He said, do what Steve Jobs did with his life, not what he actually said. And there's a lot of truth to that. A lot of times we say things um, that don't line up with how we actually lived our life. So he says that the way that Steve Jobs actually lived his life when he was 18, 19, 20 years old, he was mostly uh, like a hippie. He was all over the place. He dropped out of college. He went to a Zen Buddhist monastery. He wasn't a tech guy. He wasn't a designer. He was anything but. So what he actually eventually became passionate about is something that he, in a sense, just fell into. And the author in this book, uh, he talks about different studies that have been done. One's a famous one by a researcher at Yale, and she found the same correlation, or the, the lack of causation and correlation, being that many people who had amazing careers, okay, when you interviewed them 20 years into their career, and you asked them this question of, was this your passion? They said, no, you know, this wasn't their passion. Uh, there's, a, there's a project that was done, it's called, I think, Road Trip or something like that, and it talks about that in this book, it was a PBS special. Same thing, they traveled around the world, around America, they interviewed people, and they found the same thing over and over. So the original seed, that foundational, uh, uh, that foundation of successful careers is not always so easy to quickly define and say, oh, it just comes from somebody going, I love you know sports, and then they became a sportscaster, or I love academics, and they became a professor. It could often be like somebody like Steve Jobs, where they bounced around a little bit, and they had no idea. So this book, though, goes a little further, and this is what I found most interesting. I don't agree with everything in the book, and I'll give you my opinion in a second, but uh, the other thing is that what was most correlated and kind of the summary of this book is that the more you do something, the more likely you are to see it as your passion. So it's almost like what comes first, the chicken or the egg. We've been taught or we've heard a lot of cliches saying, you know, the chicken is passion. And once you follow your passion, you will find the right career. But it could be the inverse, according to this book. Cal uh, Newport says, it could be that you and I pick something, do it for a long time, build up high levels of skill, 
And that's, of course, why this book is titled Be So Good They Can't Ignore You. That's based on a, on a Ron Howard quote, the Ron Howard from Happy Days, the actor and the movie producer. He said when somebody asked him the key to making it in Hollywood, the, the key to making it in Hollywood was to be so good they couldn't ignore you. So kind of the crux of this book, it starts out by kind of pushing back against this theory of following your passion. And instead, it's all about find your skills, you know? What are you highly skilled at? And of course, the way you develop skills for the most part, right, is to uh, do something for a long time. So I like that. You know, that pretty much blends with what I've been talking about for a long time, uh, if you've been watching my videos, in that it, it's much more about building up mastery and building up skill. Now, here's the one little twist that I'll kind of put on it. Um, not saying that I disagree, but I think better than saying what you're, I, I think it should be this way. Let's not put the chicken before the egg. To me, the answer is pretty simple. Number one, you identify your strengths, okay? That, I think, comes first. I think that's the one thing that's kind of left out of this conversation. So it's not just passion, like you hear people say. It's not just do, uh, do something for 20 years and eventually you'll fall in love with it. Okay, I would kind of use the metaphor to getting married or, you know, falling in love. When you look at the research, guys like Dr. David Buss, Helen Fisher, all these social scientists, um, there's a lot of different research, but it all kind of coalesces in one concept. We are more likely to be compatible with certain people and for sure with certain careers. Okay. And that comes from our natural strengths. We are all imbued with some level of a personality type. I was talking to Dr. Uh, David Buss, who got his PhD, even though he's known for evolutionary psychology, he actually got his PhD in psychometrics and personality testing. And I asked him, you know, why do you think we have so many personality types in the world? And he said, we don't know. He said, there's mutation theory, there's this. He gave like 10 different theories on why uh, we have personality types. But what we do know for sure is, we do have personality types. So once you follow that logic and say there are types, then naturally there's strengths and weaknesses. If you're an extrovert, if you're an introvert, uh, you know, depending on which test you take, there's all the strength finders and big four and hexaco and all these, uh, but they all are coming to the same thing. We have natural inclinations. So what I would say to myself, if I was 12 years old starting over, get really good at identifying your strengths. There's simple tests you can take. There's more advanced tests. There's, if you're in the 67 steps, I talk about the Eulerian destiny. That's one of the first 67 steps. I give five or six tools you can use. That's a whole other talk. I'm not gonna be another hour, but um, if you can find those, okay, and identify them through what Peter Drucker, the overview is called feedback analysis. What people give you feedback, what the world gives you feedback as to what your strengths and weakness are. Then you build around those and you begin to hone skills. A lot of mastery. Forget 10,000 hours. I'm talking 15,000, 20,000, 30,000 hours. You must build what's called deep domain expertise. This is what gets people uh, to accomplish tremendous things with their career. Not just for themselves in terms of making money, hopefully you'll be able to do that, but also for you know changing the world. So it's a twofold. It's only deep domain expertise. Albert Einstein had deep domain expertise. 
you know, you name the person that's made an impact and that's made money at the same time. They all have deep domain expertise. According to this book, they might not all have had initial passion for it. But going back to Steve Jobs, make no mistake, Steve Jobs was a true master at what he did in terms of understanding design, um, understanding what customers wanted from you know iPhones and iPads. Bill Gates, the same thing. Warren Buffett, you know, someone's trying to correct me and said, "Hey, Ty, Warren Buffett hadn't read every book by age 12, and actually looked into it. He had read every book in the public school system by age 10. He had developed deep domain expertise." at 10 years old so you know you got to look at your life and go number one what am i strong at number two what am i developing deep domain expertise that's not in this book that exact phraseology but that's uh the phraseology from some other science that's out there so then lastly will come the payoff that, that that's when the harvest comes you know winter spring summer and fall winter is that time and I think this book um, I, this book doesn't focus on that so I'm kind of adding and supplementing the book in the winter of your life you should do a lot of tests look for feedback analysis follow the five or six Eulerian destiny things that I talk about uh, in uh, you know in the 67 steps and really identify natural inclinations natural tendencies natural strengths then the spring is when you start setting up a tremendous amount of experiments and that's when you begin that's what when Steve Jobs was dropping out of college going to a Zen monastery you know trying all this hippie stuff that's a form of experimentation that's when you solidify uh, and really bring together a clear understanding of what you're strong at and then lastly the third step uh, not the th I'm sorry second to last you jump into the summer of life that's when you put in hard work that's when the 10,000 the 15,000 the 20,000 hours I was reading an article someone sent me on Kobe Bryant in the Hollywood Reporter and he was talking about focus and work John Wooden I was reading a book by him and he said you know how come people don't realize that most people who are at the top got there through a lot of work and dedication you know how can we want to tear those people down so often that's become more prevalent in the modern world haters in the truest sense so in the summer of life is when you really hone that deep domain expertise and then lastly you get the harvest the harvest is what everybody wants the harvest is you know the good life so if you lead with passion if you listen to people who uh, this book doesn't seem to scientifically uh, I mean if you listen to people who in the opinion of this author uh, might be giving you not well-researched evidential uh, advice you would start with passion so you just go oh man I love basketball so I'm gonna make that my whole career and he's saying be careful with that you you should uh, you look at more factors then and I would add to that is basketball your strength if you want to be an artist is it a strength and remember strengths are relative so they have to be relative uh, to other people so you might like art but maybe for you art should just stay a hobby because if on a relative scale you can't add enough value to other people's lives in an economy uh, then it will be a pointless exercise in terms of it being a career. Don't get me wrong. You don't have to do everything for money. Okay? Let me put this book down. You don't have to do everything for money. But when it comes to your career, you must create find some level of financial independence for yourself. And to do that, 
on a relative scale, you have to have skill. You can't just go in your own mind, I'm a great, it's like, Amer I call that American Idol syndrome. If I thought I was a great singer because I sound good in the shower, but on a relative scale to all the other good singers out there, um, I'm horrible, then who cares if it's my passion? I'll never get paid for it. And the sooner you own up to that, the better off you are. John Wooden talks about this, you know, be a realist. And I tell people, look, you know, I try to be a little bit nicer in these YouTube videos than I am when I'm actually working with people, training people. In the, I was just training a whole bunch of people who work for me. And I'm like, look, some of this stuff's going to hurt. I'm going to hit you with the straight truth. Not in the sense of absolute truth, obviously. Um, I'm not saying that we know that. But when you base your life around uh, the deep domain expertise of authors like this, the different there, there's the lady from Yale that he quotes a lot. Um, you can have some level of certainty that you're on the in the general direction, and I think the general direction of a forget passions being number one, strengths are number one. Number two, deep domain expertise built on strengths. Okay, and then number three, you know, raw hours in, and then number four. That will, in and of itself, if you do that right, according to this book, and this is the new insight for me from today's book of the day, is in and of itself, doing those first three will actually create a passion in you for what you do. And that's what happened with Steve Jobs. Um, uh, and that's what, you know, even if I look at my own life and my, the different things I've done, it's true. You only like playing basketball if you're good at basketball. You'll only like a career if you're good at it. You know, there is no, it's not a, always passion first followed by being good at it. I do think you gotta take it with a little grain of salt. I think you would wanna do something you have some passion about. Just like you don't wanna marry somebody purely for pragmatic reasons. I was reading a sociology book which is talking about I think the six types of love and one of them's you know, pragmatic. And um, it's interesting in that book, the passionate marriages, believe it or not, tend to last longer um, so, but that couldn't be the only component. So which the ideal marriage this book was saying was, you know, a blend of pragmatic and passionate and there's three or four others. And I think that same thing applies to your career. You start out, um, with a level of pragmatic approach, uh, in terms of what are my strengths. And then hopefully it also lines up with a passion or if you can blend the two and find where the two touch and intersect. And I've been able to do that, um, and uh, I think almost everybody can do that. So, question for you. What's an example of you going after a passion of yours that might not have been realistic and um, might not have been a strength, okay? And what's an area in your life, even if you already have a career, that you could pivot what you're doing a little bit towards building more deep domain expertise? so that the passion will come up because this book gives a smart warning. It says a lot of people bounce around careers too much because they're always like, what am I passionate about? What am I passionate about? And uh, it's kind of like, I guess you could do the same thing, you know, with dating. You could just always look for that, you know, that dopamine rush and never stick to something long enough to build that longer lasting, um, um, uh, you know, mental response that you'll have to something that you're really compatible with and that you really have built up a lot of knowledge in. So I thought it was an interesting book. So check it out. So good. They can't ignore you. It has some good reviews by Reed Hoffman and Seth Godin. Um, you know, Seth Godin, the author, Reed Hoffman from LinkedIn. So answer that question and uh, I will uh, talk to you tomorrow.